Welcome to the Third Space Podcast, episode number 52, Super Mario Woes. That's good, right? That's a nice pun instead of Super Mario Bros because of the movie. I thought it was good anyway. Um, as you might guess, uh, this podcast hinges around the recently released Super Mario Brothers movie. I just saw it earlier in the week, and so I tell Daniel about my thoughts, uh, the good parts of the movie, the bad parts of the movie. But we don't just talk about the movie. In fact, the movie spawns three or four little mini topics from how consumers of media identify with characters, whether they should or do identify with their physical characteristics, or maybe they should think more about the actual character of the characters in the movie, their their innate uh, traits and their values. Uh, We talk a little bit about that in the educational context as well. We talk about whether your mindset can have an influence on how much you enjoy something. If you go into a new experience with a bad attitude, will that actually make you enjoy it less? Does that influence people's objectivity? Um, We talk about video games, as you might expect, since this is a video game-related movie. We talk about Mario games, controlling characters, sequelitis, how destitute the creative landscape is nowadays, And then uh, we talk about the upcoming Zelda game a little bit and wonder whether or not it will suffer from the same lack of creativity. I hope not. Anyway, that's uh, essentially the content of the episode. There's a lot of little bits and pieces, so I hope you'll listen and enjoy. Let's go! Hello, Third Space Podcast. <laughs> Good What's morning, you? Third Space. What? I greeted you and you greeted the, the podcast. Well, I guess that shows where our interests where our lie. Yeah. Yeah. Think in a similar fashion. Think in a similar fashion. On the same brain length, as they say. Yep. On the length of the waves. Um, have you seen the Super Mario Brothers movie? No, but I'd like to, and uh, in fact, I haven't, like, you know, I haven't. <laughs> have, have you seen the trailers or anything? Do you know anything about I saw, about like, it? an early on tra- trailer. I know Chris Pratt's in it. I know I like him, and then I thought that was an odd decision, and then I did see, I mean, it was the first, like, woohoo, or whatever, and it was pretty yeah. good, yeah. and I got an idea of the quality. It looked like a high quality, they weren't just, it wasn't sort of a, I mean, all movies are a cash grab in some way, but this wasn't just, like, a... I don't know, direct to YouTube. <laughs> what would you, you yeah. no one makes direct to TV, but like, you know, there's something about saying it's for Netflix that would not feel as cool as like a cinematic or a yeah. theater release. And so the buzz around it's real. I think it's prime for the nostalgia and it's current. And I just, I, I got the idea it would be pretty good. It was my hope when I saw it. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm, as, uh, is that similar to your expect? Have you seen the movie? <laughs> I yeah, that's why I brought it up. I just saw it uh, earlier this week. Um, oh. So so that means, and you're not one to just go see movie. Well, I guess you live close to a movie theater now, so you'll see y- your your threshold for going to see the movie is pretty. Yeah, it dropped. Yeah, my low. threshold lowered because there's one literally walking distance, and on Tuesdays they have six dollar movies. So 
that's what I took advantage of. I went to go see it for $6. So even even a pretty mediocre movie, you know, I can justify for $6. What was your excitement level? Were you curious about this? Yes. I mean, it just hasn't been done since the 80s, or was it early right. 90s, that uh, movie, the, the live action? Yeah, I think it, it was, was so weird and not really mario based but i loved it as a kid when i had absolutely no discernment and then you and i watched it for our b movie collection and i i I, you know once it's intertwined with nostalgia and childhood you just love it and like i found it super entertaining and fast-paced and wonky and quirky like not something to please the critics you know it wasn't in it for the critics and it wasn't in it for mario fans but it was in it for kids I felt. <laughs> I'll, I'll put it. I'll put my. Uh, I'll put my assessment up front and say that I like the '80s Super Mario Brothers movie better than this Super uh, Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. <laughs> In a different way, but but I think Dems the breaks. Um, I liked the old one better than you're than not this easily one. pleased though. Like there's a there's a. I'll be honest. When I hear you evaluate a movie or um, a like a restaurant, let's say. I don't know what to do with the information. <laughs> and here's why. Like, you're accurate. You're descriptive. I trust you. So that's th- those three things I just said is enough to take a review to heart. But just it's not infrequent that I'll, like, like a love a restaurant or find it tasty and, you know, hip and fun. Well, like that's a good because... Experience. And I'll take you and you'll go, eh, it's all right. Well, like, that's, that's because... When you love a restaurant and you think it's amazing, it's because on their menu they said like charbroiled tomato bisque and smoke <laughs> smoky marinated cheese or whatever. They use these descriptors that really suck you in. And maybe they have like an old palette on the wall that's that's like stained, you know, with a certain yeah, wood sounds stain. Yeah, delicious. And they have Edison <laughs> Edison bulbs hanging over there you know, bar and they serve tapas, like that kind of thing. And you're yeah, going to be yeah. sold, but that's, that's yeah. kind of stuff doesn't, uh, it's not going to appeal to me. Like if their food isn't actually good and worth the money, then I'm going to go, meh, it was all right. I mean, I just wonder if the words, if I'm so primed to have a good experience, if I'm actually like, if it rewires my brain to make the food taste better, uh, like, like, and then Could I'm be. actually, it's not that I'm lying to myself. It's just that I've been programmed and like I'm, I'm susceptible to reprogramming, so well, it's not that, like that. I mean, that's, that's just a an interesting le- thought. that's a legitimate psychological thing, right? Like mind over matter. You know, yeah. obviously that's not a real thing in all contexts, but your outlook definitely affects your experience. So your your perception affects your reality in a way. Um, yeah. You know, if you are if you are positive minded, maybe you have goals for yourself and you're pursuing them, and you believe you can achieve them then that makes your life experience better and you're a happier person. Whereas if you are a, a victim, if you perceive yourself as being incapable or you know, handicapped in some way, then, well, you're less likely to succeed. So I you know, think there's that, truth to what you're saying. Quick side note, uh, just a quick side story that, that, that resonates deeply with me. And, and I had an experience early on when I was student teaching. I was pretty anxious about student teaching. And I think I subconsciously recognized I wasn't feeling well because of my anxiety and not sleeping well. And when I would tell people, no, I'm not feeling well today or just not feeling it, you know, people will generally cut you a break and you can kind of cut yourself a break when you're not feeling well because that's what you're supposed to do. Like no one, no one expects you at your best when you don't feel well. Mm. And that, that subconsciously. Marilyn Manson said that, right? um, When no one, if you can't (laughs) expect me at my best, then you can't. Dance with the stars like no one's watching. 
third rock from the sun something like yeah. that something like that yeah. Marilyn Manson I think Marilyn famous Manson. famous yeah. model famous model with the dress going in the air or something something like, like that kissing kissing Kennedy or I don't I don't know I think yeah. you're right though yeah yeah um a last of thought. Oh, like I just was. I was Mario recognizing. <laughs> no, no, one step back. <laughs> so I, when, when I was telling people I wasn't feeling well, I, I, a couple things were happening. I actually was beginning to not feel well, and that was becoming a cycle. And it was some sort of twisted narrative I was creating in order to not feel the pressures. Mm. Just a bad coping mechanism that was leading me to feel physically ill more often and and like low energy. Yeah, and so. I just had to disrupt it and say, I can't, like, sometimes if you have a tiny headache or a little bit tired, someone says, how are you doing? You don't need to say, oh, I have a tiny headache, dang it, and I'm a little bit tired. They just shut up oh, sometimes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you should be able to say how you're feeling, but uh, we don't, not everyone needs to know about every little ache and pain. And it's like, that. I don't know, and I don't know how fruitful it is to indulge every ache and pain. And so, yep. yeah. So anyway, yep. that just really hits home about like, like disrupting that sort of so yeah if I or the positive like I, there's not I don't think there's anything wrong with like sort of my pursuit unless I eat out too much and it's unaffordable which that's where we're kind of at it's like I've fooled myself into thinking this experience is better than it might actually be mm-hmm. uh, that could be the, the downside but if it but if it's just if I can afford it and it's like the, why not like insist on the best experience and will yourself into having it like, that's a cool thought so Mario yeah. Brothers anyway Mario Brothers yeah um, I saw it. I would say, yeah, I didn't hate it, um, but it's a, uh, it's made by Illumination, the same production company that made like the Minions movies, which I've never oh, seen. Yeah, well, um, they're charming, and so it's all CGI, um, and so it's a fully CGI movie. So that that I, I I did a lot of comparison, you know, when I was watching it and thinking about it to the Sonic the Hedgehog movie, right? So another video game movie, mascot, popular mascot from the same era. A lot of the same kind of Easter eggs and jokes and stuff. Um, yeah. And t- same target audience for the most part. Um, and. And it uh, was live action mixed with the Sonic was CGI live action. Sonic. Yeah, mixed with CGI Sonic. Um, but Sonic was CGI, so you know the main character was CGI. Anyway, right. um, so with respect to Mario Brothers, you know it did some things really good and some things I did I did not like. Um, I think the best part of the movie uh, and what made it fun to watch was that there were a ton of Easter eggs. Like you could tell that, you know, Nintendo was deeply involved in making the movie. There was nothing that felt too out of place. It all felt like it fit within stuff you've seen from Mario and games and everything of the past. There were tons of little references scattered around everywhere. You could see in the background where you go, oh, hey, that's a thing I recognize. And other Nintendo games kind of like, like there's a poster for F Zero on Mario's wall, and one of the restaurants yeah. was like Punch Out themed, and there was a tons tons of little stuff like that. I really like that stuff. That's fun. Um, I agree. It can't intrude too much. I even watched a little thing on it. Like if we're just if you're trying to build yeah. worlds too much and you lose sight of a you know substance in a in a compelling story is, is often the cost. So. And maybe there was a little of that cost in this movie, but I wouldn't. But go do you so far need as... how much do you need the story to be great? Can't you just have him like saving uh, Princess Peach and like, and if they well, do it in a compelling enough way with some layers, you'd be fine. It's not like we're demanding but, this yeah, intense right. narrative. So no, you're you're right. You you don't like, you know in a movie like this, the story isn't 
paramount, but it's a movie and not a game. And so the story is more paramount than when you're used to thinking about for a Mario game. Like in a video sure. game, the story is even less important because what's really important is the gameplay. You want it to be fun. You want moving Mario around to feel satisfying and responsive. And you want to have enough challenge to you know make you have to actually try and a variety of enemies and all that. In a movie, you don't get to do any of that. And like the only things keeping you in your seat are the visual spectacle, you know, in this case, maybe some nostalgia or Easter eggs, and then the plot, right? Like that's what's keeping you in your seat. And so it's more yeah. important in a movie than in the video game. Um, I would say with respect to the Easter eggs, it wasn't just little things in the background, like signs or call outs to other N Nintendo games. Like there were characters and enemies and other things just from all sorts of Mario games and Nintendo games. Like, the Koopas all looked like Koopas. They had the flying Koopas. They had the red shell yeah. Koopas, the green shell Koopas. They had the, uh, the, um, they had a bunch of Donkey Kong characters in, too, because part of the movie they go to the Donkey Kong kingdom. And they had the characters from Donkey Kong 64 that, like, you never see those guys talked about anymore. <laughs> and yeah. they had Diddy and Dixie Kong in there, and they had the DK rap. Do you remember the DK rap from uh, Donkey Kong 64? Yes, I do. They, yeah. had, <laughs> they had part of it. They alluded to it. They didn't do the whole thing. They should have. Um, that would have been really funny. funny. Though. It's so, just nice that they even... It was more than a nod, is what I'm hearing. Like, yeah. The lore was deep and rich and thoughtful. Deep, and, and like, so... I think they did an excellent job because if you never played Donkey Kong 64 or, you know, you only played Super Mario Odyssey or whatever the latest Mario is and you weren't a big Nintendo fan, you could still enjoy the movie for what it was, a, you know, a romp through this visually um, colorful and appealing kind of childlike wonder environment. Yeah, a whimsical and world. Whimsical yeah. world of Mario. And you can enjoy it. You can enjoy that. But if you were familiar with all of the stuff, then you would get extra enjoyment from it. And I did get get that extra enjoyment. So when when you said real quick, like the the you said moving like, when it comes to video games, like moving around the character, like Mario should be really satisfying. Do you mm -hmm. think that Mar moving Mario around might be the singular most satisfying? He's the singular most satisfying character to move around in all the video games in some ways. No, or at least maybe definitely the most familiar. But like, do you have do you have a go to of like just the satisfaction of his move, like the movement of a character. Um, so Ma I would have put Mario at the pinnacle of yeah, what they, I love it. What they call game feel. That's what we're referring to. Is how it feels okay. to actually manipulate the game. Super Mario sixty four in particular was very good in terms of character control, and then it stayed pretty high for Super Mario Sunshine. Got a little bit worse with Mario Galaxy, but still very good. Um, Mario Odyssey was really was good too. They're all right around the same level. But I think Splatoon has actually surpassed Mario in terms of... I think that's my favorite character movement game, yeah. in any video game. Like, because you can go into the ink, climb up walls, you have a... And, like, it's so fluid. There's motion, motion controls for the aiming. So it just takes everything and ramps it up. And it's 60 frames per second, so it's very smooth. That's the most yeah. fun I've ever had moving, like, interacting with a game in terms of character movement. Very fun. Yeah, and and so how much does uh and then we'll get back to the movie, but the game like camera angle. I know that it the the few criticisms that there are of of Super Mario sixty four is is like there were camera issues oh, sometimes, definitely. and so they got they got a lot better as so. That's true. I'm imagining game feel also depends on camera angles. Is yeah, that yeah, fair? that's fair because the directional inputs 
kind of rely on your camera angle, you know, yes. at least to a certain extent, or they can, depending on how you design it. And obviously, you can't move your character if he goes out of the view of the camera. So, Super Mario 64 is one of the first 3D games, and so the camera movement was very rudimentary. And they, you know, they tried to make the camera so. forgivably. Yeah. They tried to make the camera lock on to Mario, and, and you know, and they did that some. But also remember, the N64 only had one joystick. And you had to use those C buttons, the yellow buttons, yeah. to move the yeah, camera. Yeah, wonky. Yeah. And so it was just a lot harder from an input um, perspective as well. That did improve a lot over time, the camera controls um, yeah. did. And in Splatoon, it's it's a non-issue, really. Like I know. I was thinking, I've watched you play Splatoon for hours. In total, I've probably watched 10 hours of Splatoon, I mean, over yeah. the three games. And and uh, I've never thought about it. That's And that's a good sign, right? Like. Yeah, you just never notice any camera issues. Okay, but back to back to the yeah, movie. So, the movie. so they nailed it. That was that's your highest mark. So you'd say that's the most enjoyable thing about the yes, movie was absolutely the, the, the yeah the lore and the visuals. It sounds like was pretty. It was colorful yeah. and production I mean, value. Of course, right? Of course, it was great. Looking. Production like, value was really really good. The CGI looked great. Um, you know, I think if you're, I'm generally anti CGI, but that's in the context of live action movies. If you're going to make an animated movie, then you know, obviously, I'm totally okay with it. It's all about art style at that point. And they, I don't think you could have done a live action Mario with with like an animated Mario. Like Sonic fits; he's this creature, and that's how they kind of portrayed it. Is like, mm-hmm. oh, here's a here's some people, and here's a creature. Yes. But Mario, it, it just wouldn't work. I so agree. I don't blame them. It's like it was either. the right decision. Even I wouldn't even want a live action. Like again, it, it would be too. I mean, maybe, no. <laughs> but I don't think so. No, they made the right call. They they did that right, and the CGI looked good. Um, it was very fluid and all of the settings really popped like the castle, you know, they showed some angles that were reminiscent of Mario 64 and you're like, Oh, there's the thing, the sun dial that you stand on and get a star and all that sort of thing. Um, my favorite scene in the movie, there's a Mario Kart scene and they're, you probably saw it in the trailer. They're riding their carts on rainbow road and it looks really good. And there's Easter eggs all throughout that scene. Like Mario, he's running from the bad guy at one point and he like slides his cart and jumps over the side onto another part of the track which is like a classic uh skip in mario kart on rainbow road to like jump over the side so i really like that that was good um but that is about where my praise ends uh oh no so after from that point you know aside from those things which are significant then things turn a little bit more negative so i guess my most prominent criticism is the voice casting uh i thought that every single character with the exception of bowser from the main characters and secondary characters was pretty bad like was it star-studded i never looked like it seems like one of those movies that would be star-studded yeah chris pratt as mario um jack black as bowser uh yeah i like him luigi was the dude from it's always sunny i forget his name not Danny DeVito, uh, but the other one. Um, Chris. Yeah, no. that guy. I think it is. Anyway, the the little guy, the yeah. smaller guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that Hang guy. On, I want to look that up. Yeah. Peach was some woman. I don't know if she was. Um, Cranky Kong was in the movie, and that was Fred Armiset. Charlie Day, by the way. Okay. Oh, okay. Charlie Day, that's yeah. it. Um, Pete, yeah, Peach was some woman I didn't know. Um, Cranky was in, and he was played by one of the SNL guys. Toad was some comedian dude. I don't know. 
Anyway, those were the main okay, ones. Okay, so it was. It was big names, though. The, the yeah, they were. culture they were, people. Like, yeah, they were big names. Oh, and DK, Donkey Kong, was um, Seth Rogen. And that was the <laughs> worst voice casting. Every time Donkey Kong talked, I was like, what is this? That's Seth Rogen. Or, like, <laughs> he's just talking. Like, he just got but finished. But it kind of makes sense when you just say Seth Rogen as this sort of, like, deep... It's no. maybe too distinct. No, is the problem. it does not fit. It sounds goofy. You would expect a deep, like giant gorilla voice and he just sounds like he got finished smoking a bong or something and was like oh it just didn't fit it took me out of the movie every time he talked i was like you sound stupid it made me like donkey kong less (laughs) and then cranky kong who i really liked that cranky was in the movie and looked like cranky kong Uh, i really liked that but his voice was this like like really stupid sounding Brooklyn accent or something like some Northeastern accent that totally did not fit. And it was, it did not fit the character whatsoever. And I thought that was another terrible choice. Mario Wait, was Donkey Kong, a, like a, like a, a, a pal or was he an yeah. enemy? Like, well, like, well he was a you know. enemy turned pal. It was yeah, one okay. of the, uh, one of the plot points of the movie. They had to, um, spoiler alert. They had to, um, gain the uh gain the assistance of the kong army and in order to do so mario had to fight donkey kong and got it that's a fun i mean mean, whatever well because you know the origins of mario you know is in the donkey kong game and he's throwing barrels at him and all that exactly that's what i was i was curious how they so yeah oh did they try to do any depiction of 8-bit style like blocky stuff did they ever try even to do that um, not really. I mean, there was some blocky stuff, like the question mark blocks, but they were in 3D. They weren't actually 2D. Yeah. So, not really. I didn't know. And I, I guess I wouldn't even ask for 2D. I guess you can you, you can do a 3D figure that has, it looks 8-bit, like, theoretically, right? Yeah, That's sure. an odd question. But, but they didn't. Yeah. They didn't do that okay. any. Um, so, yeah, vo- the voice casting, not a fan. Mario and Luigi were mediocre. Like, if I hated Mario's voice, that would have really soured me on the movie i didn't hate it it just wasn't that good um i I don't know it didn't feel like mario to me and i understand why they wouldn't want him the entire movie going let's go mama mia (laughs) and they did throw in a lot of mama mia's which you know they kind of had to do so you know props to them for giving the appropriate nods you know it's a difficult situation but i wasn't quite satisfied with mario's voice um and yeah, Peach was mediocre. Toad was annoying. So yeah, I was just not a fan of the voice casting. Charlie think- Day has a really distinct voice. So I imagine Luigi. That could have been. Dis- did you just hear Charlie Day every time? Or do you not? Are you not as familiar? I'm not with as him? familiar just- with him. I did recognize it, and I I didn't hate Luigi's voice either. But I just thought it wasn't quite where it wasn't what I expected, and I, I didn't love it. Okay. Another okay. uh another critic or here's a plus and minus the score the musical score. Was very yeah, it be easy, awesome, very know? good when they did uh, remixes or um, or nods to classic themes, which they did often. Very bad when bizarrely they drop in licensed music f- for action scenes, like uh, like the "Take Me Away" song or th- uh, ACDC "Thunderstruck." Or like I don't these, want that. These other songs I don't want any of that. that they I just don't want mood music no. or or like nods to Mario or all of the Nintendo universe. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. Like it was so strange to be watching 
a Mario movie to ACDC Thunderstruck. Yeah, that's jarring. That like, is jarring. <laughs> put in some of the Mario music that's a little higher tempo if you want. And they even did that in one of the scenes near the end of the movie. They grabbed the Invincibility Star, you know, which has that, you know, classic Invincibility. And it's not a very good musical theme, but they worked it into a musical theme, and I appreciated that. And I wish they had done that for the rest of the movie. Yeah, like did they Bowser's Castle and stuff? They had to do like the door or something. And they then, did uh, put in sound effects and stuff. or I can't ghost remember. house. It the ghost. There was house, no ghost house uh, in this one. There was no ghost house. Were there? Are there any ghosts? There, uh, King Boo was in the audience of one scene that didn't matter. So there weren't. Was really. there an underwater level of sorts? <laughs> no, no. Nope. Was there? I'm just trying to think of different like even like Super Mario style worlds. Um, you know, Not really. Okay. They were in the Mushroom Kingdom and and then New York. <laughs> that was kind of the two settings. How did, did they... So were there human beings uh, that were depicted other than like... Yes. They were, like, uh, there were our world. That's where Mario and Luigi yeah. came from is our world in this movie. Um, so they okay. were from New York. They were real but humans. Did, but did they all looked people, like that. Yeah. They didn't look they like... They all looked... Mario-esque, yeah. or did they, like... Yeah, they more goofy? or less. Okay. Yeah, more or yeah. less. They didn't clash Just caricatures. Okay, that's what I meant. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, uh, okay, so let me get to... Uh, I, I won't drag us much further through my movie review, but let me get to one of my most fundamental criticisms of the movie. It Its pacing was, like, extremely ADHD. Uh, you know, this is what you would expect. I'm not saying this surprised me, but I didn't like it. It was always barreling forward with no, it never paused for a moment to consider anything or or do any character development. Just always flashy, barreling forward, very ADHD um, in terms of the storyboarding and like multiple times. One time I can forgive, but this movie did it three or more times. These little gags where... You know, Mario is, let's just say, for example, oh, I'm going to do this obstacle course, and it shows him jumping around and really doing awesome and wall kicking and swinging around the thing. And then he's about, you see the flagpole, and he's about to make it. And then the music stops, and a piranha plant snaps him, and it pauses right there for a second while all the kids in the audience laugh. And then, <laughs> and then the scene continues, you know, and the music comes back. And that kind of the punctuation on that instant subversion like it did that like three or more times in the movie and that really annoys me because it's just cheap like to me that reeks of just tackiness in your storyboarding it's like oh you expect this to happen well grrr. and then yeah. just freeze the music and everything while it's like ha, gotcha and not a fan of that um that would be frustrating and then the other one that i didn't like uh, uh I would say the characterization for most characters was good. Bowser was excellent. You know, Mario was the kind of uh, brave hero. He was kind of a loser at the beginning, but I understand that's kind of how they have to give him some development. Luigi was cowardly, but he's like that in the games. The one I didn't like was Peach, because Peach was totally different than her character has ever been in the games. Let me guess, a strong woman who, yeah. like... Stands up for herself yeah. and like totally. doesn't need no man. Yes, kind of thing. exactly. It was obnoxious, and it what like it wasn't just that she was a girl boss, but like they there was a scene where Mario first comes to the Mushroom Kingdom and he has to do this obstacle course, 
And Peach does the obstacle course first, and she just flies through it with no problem, no mistakes whatsoever. And then Mario, of course, he's learning how to adapt to the Mushroom Kingdom, and so he fails, you know, a dozen times, or multiple <laughs> dozens of times. And it's funny to watch him fail, and it's understandable. But then after that, after he finally beats it, he's sitting with Peach talking, and he's like, you know, how many times did it take you to do it? And ultimately, she's like, oh, I did it on my first try. And it's like, okay, well, that's stupid. Like, that. What that, did that serve to the plot? Like, nothing like, except to say sort that, of a, that women are strong is yeah it's like, it's just know. a you know oh see uh-huh. women i mean you wim- could contrast it to his failure and it's just a chuckle but i don't think that's what no that is. <laughs> it's the same as in star wars when they made ray able to do everything with no training and never makes a mistake whereas they make luke a grumpy old bastard like it's the exact same thing it's just subversive just subverting expectations taking taking tropes that whether you agree with or not were true in the prior material and flipping them, you know, flipping it on its head. And there's a way to do that gracefully. Like in the Mario games, Peach isn't a pushover, but she's also not this ridiculous girl boss that um, when Mario meets her for the first time, she suplexes him. Like it's not (laughs) like that's what happens in the movie. And it's like, I don't know. I just found that really annoying. It didn't ruin the movie, but it made me really dislike the Peach character uh, in the movie. So, yeah, I, I'm sad. I'm not surprised at all. Like that, they can't just they can't just let a girl be a like a, a girl like like in a movie like that. Like, well, and they have yeah. to make they have to make the male characters goofy and incompetent generally. Um, yeah. To this movie's credit, at least they had Mario develop into a competent character. So, you know, credit there. A lot of movies don't even do that. Like, I saw um, the Dungeons & Dragons movie recently as well, yeah. which I'm not a fan of Dungeons & Dragons. I didn't know anything about the movie. I just happened to see it. And they did the same thing. The The female characters were girl bosses that couldn't do anything wrong. And every male character in the movie was a goofy, like, guy that kind of flubbed around. Oh, I take that back. All the white male characters were. There was, of course, one hyper-competent black male character that could do anything yeah. perfectly and flawlessly. So, do, do you think that means when a movie like, and I haven't even seen it, but Top Gun Maverick comes out that's just like, we're going to like make some dudes kick butt and like it's going to be a kick butt action movie and it does so well. Like, Oh, yeah. That doesn't I, surprise I, me. I just, yeah, there's a, there's, People crave that, you know. People, uh, and I just want—I just wonder why it, it, it's a money-making machine. Why aren't they just cranking out what people want? I mean, they clearly do crank out what people want to our to our own detriment, or or shove it down our throats. But like, I guess that's—I don't know. I don't people, know where I'm going with that. People want heroes. They want characters yeah. that they can uh, resonate with and root for. And you know, in the past, before all of this forced diversity BS. People could resonate to any heroic character. Like, you know, Aladdin was some Persian dude, but I still liked Aladdin in the Aladdin and movie, And identified for with him in a lot sure. of ways, yeah. Or, yeah. or the, the, the Simba from The Lion King, not even a human, right? Like, it's a freaking lion, and you can identify with that, and it, and it didn't matter. But it has to be believable. Like, it has to... F- the, the expectations for the character have to fit what your expectations would be in the real world. And when you see a movie like Dungeons & Dragons, and you see you know, a 5'9 woman who isn't even ripped, like, throwing around fully armored knights and stuff, then it's, you're just kind of like, well, I don't believe this. And you see Chris Pine as the main character, 
like getting his butt kicked and being totally goofy in every scene. And it's like, well, you know, this doesn't, it's, I don't, I don't buy this exactly. Yeah. It's not compelling. If you, if you have to deny the visuals you're given, you have to say, nope, nope. What you're seeing is not what you're seeing. I, yeah. And in the Mario movie, it's particularly egregious simply because there's established lore, right? Like you, like Peach is a character that has been around for all of Mario essentially. Um, and so you know how Peach behaves. And this was not the same Peach. It was a different Peach. Uh, now, was it egregiously wrong? No. But it was enough to be annoying. I think one of the issues that I'm I'm kind of having a, a, an epiphany moment, and maybe it's not that big, it's a too strong of a word, but it's an idea that like there's this narrative out there that I've bought into and haven't really questioned, and that's uh, we must... And particularly when we're like selecting books to teach to kids, it's like this needs to be immediate. It needs to be relevant and they need to be able to see themselves in the text. They need to be able to see the meaning. And this makes sense to me. I'm not critiquing that. Like we need to be able to see ourselves yeah. in the text and in the like and, and in, in the characters. But what that if we reduce identity down to some characteristics, yes. like only a few, I'm not even saying they're not important because they're hugely important. I really do. But I, I think if you just say these, these are your like five basic forms of identity and in order to see yourself in, in this character, they must fit these five criteria or whatever. Yep. Like I think I think it's healthy for me to watch a movie with a female lead and see myself and her, and I think it's healthy Absolutely. for it's a huge and, and vice yeah. versa, right? Like it's, the whole point is to see ourselves in others. That's why we read is yes. to understand. That, so. Totally, it's a gigantic mistake on a fundamental level to reinforce the idea that you can only empathize with people who look like you or are yes. attracted to the same people as you or whatever. Like it's a gigantic mistake. You should. You should be able to identify with characters of all different kinds of backgrounds. It's it's what it's their character that you are supposed to identify with, not their physical characteristics. The character, not characteristics, right? That's what you're supposed to see. Yeah. And well, what a, do you think about this then, though? I agree with you, everything you're saying, but generally, okay, the resistant readers in say ninth grade are males. Not all the time, and I know, but in, in a, if I had to do a blanket statement, who are your struggling readers? They're going to be male more like more likely than not. Sure. And so then I'm tempted to want to read stories that like either have like male characters or is about like you know surviving in the wilderness or like something that's traditionally uh, potentially like going to. I guess I'm saying masculine, or at least it appe- appeals to uh, a ninth grade boy. Am I? cheapening if i if i were to take what we just said like shouldn't am i I being a little too cheap and oversimplistic in that uh trying to select texts that appeal to them since they are sort of uh dispossessed in a lot of ways in terms of uh, education and reading and or they should be insisting that they like they they can see themselves in the love stories or things that are traditionally feminized like love because that's so dangerous to me by the way it ticks me off that we feminized love and consider it like lovey-dovey and that's so that's girly stuff like like i want to insist that they see it otherwise you know they should be exposed Um, to gay stuff like love too (laughs) (laughs) no I'm, i'm kidding i agree with your point um no um it's like I think if the athlete had, who plays basketball and doesn't read well, which is like a yeah. or a football player, and you go, "Here's a football book," like, that, and well, that's see, the that, classic. That would be like, cheapening it. And like, for example, if you had a lot of Indian kids in your class and you decided to read an Indian novel, then that I think would be cheapening it a little bit, right? Like that would be taking the shortcut to try to appeal to them. Now, I think when it comes to masculine versus feminine, 
you might be able to make a little bit better of a case because like the you know, there's a difference in the hero's journey between male and female, or at least this is something that has been discussed, right? Like the classic hero's journey is really more of a masculine adventure. Um, and, you know, maybe the girls are being, you know, left out to dry a little bit in this respect. And we need to put a little bit of thought into what a, an alternative um, hero's journey might be. They're probably, you probably know books that fill that niche better than I do. Um, yes. Uh, but it's also, I agree that like, defining the hero's journey like like i'm comfortable sort of redefining it because yeah you know the the hero with a thousand faces all the all the all the original stuff sort of depicted it as a male's journey and i think like eh, that's like i mean just in an archetypal masculine sense but it like but that all of the concepts of going out and struggling and learning and taking gifts and bringing them back to your you know it, it's the sort of like Anyway, I don't want to go into all those details. It's just that that I don't see why that needs to be characterized that way. Like this is this is you don't I think see it's a why very it needs inviting. to be characterized as masculine. Yeah, I don't. Uh, in terms of just gro- being growth oriented, going out struggling, and then using the gifts you you gain by struggling. Yeah, I mean, um, some... I mean, I get that. Like, if it's go face the dragon, and the dragon's a metaphor for, and then typically the the then the hero is going to be a knight or something like that and that's yeah. just a, a male role because as soon as you get concrete about going out there and having an adventure well that's been the males historically so yeah. i get why that's well sort yeah of, right but archetypally yeah, it's masculine and that there's just no way or no way around it right? yes. masculine is the order oriented sort of story you go into you venture into chaos you bring back something valuable and bring it back to your ordered territory and that's mas- it's defined as masculine in a way um, so there's no getting around that. Does that mean that, you know, a woman couldn't take the lessons um, imparted by the story and implement them? No, that doesn't mean that anyone can appreciate those those lessons. But I think there may be something to the idea that, well, men typically resonate more with the masculine stories than women do. And women tend to resonate more with more feminine oriented stories than men do. And so if you're trying to gain the interest of boys in your class then a masculine oriented adventure would probably do it now there might be really feminine boys in your class like you know like you were in school that would really resonate towards <laughs> some kind of you know some kind of other book about like i don't poetry or something po- yeah you, yeah that's the thing you have a whole poetry section in your class and that's for the girls and you know <laughs> The boys like you, <laughs> and then and then you read, that. you know, actually good books like The Count of Monte Cristo or worthwhile something. Worthwhile, yeah, worthwhile sure. stuff. That's for the boys, you know. Yeah. So yeah. simple, yeah. Simple. Good. It's very simple like that. <laughs> yeah. So Mario Brothers, pretty, pretty, pretty crappy. <laughs> uh, it was okay. I'll give it a six out of ten. I would say it's a little worse than the Sonic movies overall. I enjoyed the Sonic. I'm looking Sonic at the Rotten more. Tomatoes meter. What do you think the the audience gave it, and what do you think the critics gave it? Oh God, I don't know. I'm not dialed in on this stuff. I would say no. That's why it's I would fun say to ask. critics rated it poorly. I don't know, seventy percent, sixty-five percent, and audience. When, I, when you say it, poor, they're not afraid to like go low. Oh, so, okay. Just and so that, you know, like like fifty case, is a good like average. Oh, so. in that case, I would say maybe forty-five or fifty for critic and for audience. I think audience has probably liked it. I would say high eighty, upper eighties or nineties. All right, so the critics gave it fifty-seven percent. Oh, okay. And it's considered rotten, by the way. Okay. Um, 
and then audience gave it 96%. All right, so, so I was actually it. fairly dialed in on that one. And well, it will you, probably make a lot of money. You know I mean? and that, oh, I'm sure it will. And that, and that says to me that like this is not the sort of quality of something like Toy Story, which like gets no, acclaimed from both. Not. Toy Story has but that, soul. But then it's a lot of fun. Like if you just go in there and like watch the movie with your brain turned off, you're gonna like have a good time. At but Super Toy, Mario Toy Story had soul. It had pacing. Oh yeah. It had lesson. It had you know meaningful lessons. It wasn't just a flashy romp through I mean, had nothing to build off of it built a world in which we now think of woody and buzz lightyear as these almost iconic but they, they weren't iconic it was just a movie that came out you know yeah and yeah toy story was excellent mario was not even in the same ballpark as toy story in terms of the quality of the the movie overall yeah like, toy story it, sounds like it was just a good fun movie is what the super mario brothers is yeah, even, sure. good's even questionable but like a fun movie yeah toy story toy i would give like, like a nine out of ten toy story is a, a great movie that I would. It's worthy of my of my movie. All, shelf. all of them have been really good, and they haven't like. It's not like they they're like, oh, it did great. We're, we're bringing another one out next year. It's I like heard they've that been, they've been distant. <clears throat> like, I heard that they've really kind of sucked lately because they like, like made a Buzz Lightyear spinoff, and I heard it wasn't good. And I think they're doing oh, some, yeah, they did, some they other did really spinoff poorly. too. It wasn't even good. Yeah, but they that tried to do like a was that live action or was it just more serious it was like uh, the some, real person behind the toy was the the yeah something like that some stupid but idea. i don't count like what disney's just like all right all they know how to do like the only way they think is like how to get the money and how, so how can you tent pole or make make you know a universe build like that's that's the only it's way a, they think it's astonishing to me how devoid of creativity disney has become Disney and Pixar, which they now yeah, own. they really paved the way with so much creativity for so long. It's like, no, nope, we're done. We're yeah, done. we're done with <laughs> we're that. Done with we're that. just gonna cannibalize our entire past and make it worse. Have they done anything that took from the past and made it better? Literally, any one thing have they done that in recent years? I'm just thinking really quick. If there's even like a, a I mean, I think some of these MCU things are like really decent. They're not that they're bad individually, honestly. Some of them are pretty good. I mean, I haven't watched so many in so long, um, but I've seen. I mean, they're they're not just horrible, uh, but no, I don't think. I, yeah, I but just, now, I mean, I could agree with you on maybe the earlier stuff, but they're just. I mean, I was like, in the movie theaters watching watch the previews, Ant-Man and there's. Yeah, when I was in the previews, there was like Guardians of the Galaxy three or something, and I was like, oh wait, there. This is the third one. Like, I just don't even know. Like. How about that? Guardians of the Galaxy, I will even stand by saying I like it. Like if you And if you haven't seen it, and we were like, I guess if we want to watch a good movie, I probably have a t- tough time talking you into that. But I, it's it's funny. It's I, I, it's good. I've seen it a couple times, and I wouldn't mind seeing it a third. Um, and I'd be very curious if you would say, you know what? Like, that one's pretty good. I'll give them that one. Because I thought, and the second one was quality. But so, but I don't even know. I, I don't know if that's. I don't know. It's Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm sure it's it was a it was a comic book, right? It's all part of the universe. So I don't it's know. all folded. It's all intertwined in that stuff now. So yeah. I'm sure there's like garbage surrounding it, but those the two are are good and are well reviewed, and audiences love it, and that kind of thing. It's yeah. the only one. It's funny you cho- chose that example. It's the only one that like I know, and I kind of I know the the characters a little bit, but I don't know all the Easter eggs that that are being dropped all around me. I'm just like I don't know. There's just too much, too many, too many of those things. And even putting aside the Marvel stuff, like there's like the Lion King remake, Beauty and the Beast remake, like 
Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty and now the Little Mermaid with Black Little Mermaid, which doesn't make any sense. And like all of this stuff that's just just cannibalizing the old classic yeah. animated movies. Like why not make something new? Why not make I something new? If it, if, what if it's what if that's the point is to to not they don't well, they're I not think, interested in I making think it new. Is. They want they want to rewrite. I think they that is the to, point. Like, I think you construct. I think so. you're exactly right. They want to they want to tell people that the past is bad. What you used to like is actually wrong, and we're gonna make it better. We're gonna tell you now how you should perceive those things that you used to like, um, and we're gonna make ton, we're gonna try to make tons of money in the process. Like there's, I think it's twofold. You have the people who are wanting to press particular ideas onto you. Um, and then, you know, you have the people who they're just creatively bankrupt. Um, they're empty vessels of human beings, essentially. And they don't know how to create anything anymore. And so they know that they have the stuff that people know and love, you know, the Lion King or Beauty and the Beast or whatever. And they can just take that and reboot it. It's, I mean, this so isn't kind of like looking at data and testing. They don't actually have ideas or thoughts themselves. They just yeah. like keep running test audiences and going, "Ooh, this tests well, so add more." Ooh, they like humor. Add more of that. Ooh, they like you know, pretty person. Add, put her in it, like sure. whatever. Oh, they, the audience yeah. laughed when we did this pause moment, and you know, got snapped by a piranha plant. Oh, let's put in four yeah. more of those in the movie. <laughs> it's, it's all that kind of same thing. Like no, it's like it has. There's just no soul to it. That, that's what it's frustrates the, it's me. the curse of sequels honestly is that well, yeah, the curse is that like you create magic and then the second one just is like oh well there was one tyrannosaurus rex that was that had a big scene about eating a guy and mm. let's do two of them well, and eat i know two that's people. jurassic park like, that's what that's jurassic, jurassic park, park did it, just, it literally and did that that, that, that like, was their thing that oh t-rex you like t-rex here's a bigger t-rex a super a super genetic yeah, yeah and very and frustrating so, and that's broader than Disney. You know, video games do that now. And, you know, all, all entertainment basically does that. Just sucks the soul out of the past instead of making new, new things. That's why I get very excited when I see some new original idea, um, whether it's a movie or a video game or whatever. Let me, uh, I, I had a whole other topic that I was going to talk about today. We obviously don't have enough time for that. But while we're on the topic of sequels, let me just briefly mention that today... A new sequel, and we're talking about video games. Uh, a new trailer for the next Legend of Zelda game came out today, and I've uh, been really worried about the sequel because it looked like a sequel that took too much from the first game. Right, it didn't bring enough new to the table. Yeah. Um, and final, they haven't shown much of the game thus far. They've that's shown, what you've been telling me. Like they've been teasing it for like a year. It feels like, and, yeah. and what's the content? What's the content? Like right. there's just some vague things about floating islands, but like. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, so it's like the, literally the same map or something, right? It is the same. Like, it is the same map. That's really concerning. That's part with, of the pleasure of a game, I would think. Yeah, with with the new map. Um, yeah. But yeah, so it's the same map. Uh, you know, they still haven't shown a lot about what's changed on the on the ground map. Now there are things underground, so there are caves and stuff, which seems cool. You, you, and you skies, said there might be the that. Sky. Did you already know that, or was that like released today? The, well, I remember you saying that, like, will there be underground stuff? There were some big? clues in some of the stuff they showed that suggested that caves might be a part of the game, and the trailer today seemed to just give a lot more confirmation that there's a lot of stuff underground. There's some big shots of, like, big underground caves, and it's like, okay, that wasn't in the first game. 
So there's a lot of stuff underground. There's a lot of stuff floating in the sky. And it showed a bunch of cool enemies, bosses, and characters. And uh, Ganondorf was in the trailer, which, you know, everyone loves Ganondorf. He, has, he hasn't been around for a while since, like, Ocarina of Time, the, the big bad guy. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, the trailer was just really, really good. I enjoyed it. Um, I still... It, it didn't reveal too much, though. So I'm still... There's still a question mark as to whether they will, you know, be a worthy sequel. Whether this new Zelda game will be a worthy sequel or whether, you know, it'll fall into my same complaint category of not doing enough new. Um, will you, so we'll let's see. say it falls into that category. Will you still spend a pleasurable hundred hours or so on the game, you know, like, and, and not like regret it. Just be a little di- Can you be disappointed and still like go have fun with it? Yeah. <laughs> Cause I feel like that could I can. happen. Right? Yeah, I can. I mean, as long as the game, this is what's great about video games is if the gameplay is fun, even if the setting or story is maybe a little derivative, you can still have a lot of fun with it. So take, for example, Super Mario Galaxy, which is one of my favorite games. Very creative on the Wii. You know, it was Mario, a Mario game, but it was in space, and the gravity played a huge part in the gameplay. Well, then they turned around and made Super Mario Galaxy 2 some number of years later, and it was the same hook, right? It was still Mario in the space levels, yeah. and the gravity was still the hook. But they just had so many little micro-creative ideas that they had enough to make a whole other game about it. And honestly, Super Mario Galaxy 2, even though it was derivative in setting, I liked it better than Super Mario Galaxy, the first one, because it just had a whole lot more content. It was more challenging. They had a lot of really creative ideas in this one, too. So it was great. And I'm hoping the same can be said for this new Zelda game, uh, which is called Tears of the Kingdom. Hopefully it takes what Breath of the Wild, the first game, did and makes it a lot better and more fun. So that's my hope. comes out next month. I'm sure I'll talk about it after uh, after I play it some. Yeah, I would like to know. like, And I, I want to watch it. Like I really want to watch that game. Like, ugh. Danielle might even get it. But, well. <laughs> Maybe. I'd li- You're very familiar with, with video games in Zelda, and you'll like... I mean, I would assume that the minute you you launch that game, you would be good with the controls and familiar with it. Uh, is that fair to say? Probably. Like, that's part I mean, of the pleasure of playing like a known. Uh, yeah, I haven't series. played um, Breath of the Wild since you know since I played it after it came out. So I'll have to get used to the controls again, but it won't take long. Is there any temptation to? play that or no. do a quicker playthrough or anything okay no do you and, find it not that replayable but it was such an yes. inc- impressive world so i'm, well, I'm sad to hear that it i'm just... i'm i have mixed feelings about breath of the wild i really did enjoy playing it and it was a thrill to explore uh, you know it's the first open world zelda game and they did a lot of things right however my favorite parts of zelda games have been the dungeons which are crafted linear or mostly linear experiences where you get a new item that expands your move set or your abilities. And that wasn't in Breath of the Wild. You didn't have that. You did have some kind of dungeons. Um, these, what they called the Divine Beasts, or I think that was what they were called. And right. you know they were kind of crafted experiences where you could go through a dungeon. But they were short. They weren't themed individually. You didn't get a new item that let you do something cool. And I don't know, it wasn't the same. The concept was really cool. These yes, giant yeah, the big was great. beasts, and they're moving around the map, right? If I'm remembering, yeah, they, just, were. they were incredible visually, yes. and like 
unique looking. It's just yeah, I didn't hate them. Essentially, super bosses that you could that were you know yeah, I didn't I, I didn't hate him but they they weren't the classic Zelda dungeons that I know and love and that's my favorite part it's of like, Zelda games so it's like you have the beast but but have your have the dungeons yes. have the beast and, and eat your dungeons too or whatever and this trailer for the new Zelda game it didn't you know it didn't confirm classic dungeons but it showed some settings that really looked like classic dungeons so i'm assuming what you're saying is something a lot of Zelda fans yes. are saying like bring the dungeons back so they'd be kind of tone deaf to, to yeah, just go here's so. another game without it <laughs> I think so yeah we'll see I'm I'm hopeful that they fix a lot of the main complaints another primary complaint was you know if you remember in Breath of the Wild your weapons would just break all the time they had durability yeah you'd have some wooden it's just like breaking weapons is not fun and so don't put a mechanic that just makes the game less fun see and, I didn't have I a problem know. with it uh, I didn't. I can understand how some people would dislike it. I didn't have a problem with it. But in this game, in the sequel, they've taken an interesting route to to addressing that problem. Your weapons can still break, but you have a special power at any time. You can fuse together two items. So if you have like a pitchfork or something, and you hit an enemy with it five times, and it's and it comes up and says, "Ah, oh, your weapon's about to break" or whatever, you can now fuse the pitchfork with. Something else, a log or a rock or a sword or whatever, and it'll actually make a new item out of those two items, and the durability will be restored. That's how it seems to work anyway. You know, the game's not out, so it's not totally clear. But this is they like do a good job with that. It could be countless combinations. Yes. Well, that's things. the thing. Like that's it looks like it could be just as revolutionary as you know some of the other Breath of the Wild concepts, like with the wind and the fire and all of that stuff. Yeah. Like it looks to be a very huge thing. Like they showed another thing in the gameplay trailer where you could chop down some trees, take the trunks of the trees and like glue them together with a fan and make a boat. Like you can make stuff like that in order to cross a lake. So there's a lot of options. Here's, here's a weird thought to end on with, with the idea of the game is that can a game have too many cool things crammed into it? Even if it does them well, I'm saying, can it just be too complicated? Like, like, simplicity might be part of the pleasure of a game and the ability to master it but if you had could you theoretically make a game worse by having so many cool features that you just you just don't have time to master and explore it or would it is the answer obviously not you would just play the game longer and master all the things worth mastering in the game um that's that's a hard question i like it say, could get complicated mechanically, and you have to remember, and it could be unpleasant. Yeah. Is I guess my point. Like the, yeah. the, 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 that game feel that we speak of might just never fully be reached because you just are like, oh gosh, there's seventy five things I can do with my character that I yeah. just ugh. yeah. It de- if you think about it in the limit case, right? So as games become more and more like real life, and the options become like become more and more approach approaching what you can do with your actual body. Like right now we communicate with a video game through buttons on a controller and joysticks, right? And so we have limited ways to communicate with the game. But imagine VR, for example, you have motion controllers and you know you can kind of use your hands, you can track your fingers and stuff, right? So you have more yeah. control. But you can imagine a situation where the, the game becomes so advanced that it can track your entire body's motion and it makes you go through an obstacle course that you physically can't do, right? You're like not actually skilled or coordinated enough to use your body in that way, in which case now the game, part of the game is inaccessible to you because the controller, your own body, isn't capable of, of doing it, right? <laughs> yeah. I guess yeah. you could probably say the same thing for like Just Dance. You know the game Just Dance? 
Yeah. Or like even Guitar Hero or other games that require a lot of movement. Like if you're a disabled person or a really overweight person or something, these are games that are just kind of not, you can't do them effectively, right? Right. And so if that's kind of what you're talking about, you know, a game that it, it gets so complex that not everyone can actually experience all of the game. But then, I guess I'm talking then, yeah. about it in, a, in the mental version. Like, oh, if your character has uh, 3,000 special moves that are all actually well-programmed special, and, and like, mm-hmm. do you, you just kind of like, oh, that's here's, a little, well, a little here, daunting. Here's, and, here's uh, another interesting game example. There's a game called Scribble Knots. Have you ever heard of it? Yeah, don't you like draw an item and it'll yeah. become it or yeah, something? Yeah, you can write, you can type the word in, and any word, pretty much, you type in, it'll make it for you. So you could type in ostrich, poof, an ostrich appears, and it, you can hop on its back and ride it around like an ostrich or whatever. And so <laughs> and it behaves all, reasonably like an ostrich, you know? Yeah, like it has wings. Like there's some, I'm sure under the hood, you know, they attach certain adjectives to every noun and. Then in the sequel, you could add adjectives to it. So you could say green ostrich, and it would make a green ostrich. And you could, it was amazing, right? Because you could do this like almost to the limit of your imagination. Most titillating, yeah. And, yeah. and you use these things to solve puzzles, platforming puzzles, and otherwise. And at, I thought it was really a really great game and very fun. For what a concept. What it tried honestly, to do. That's so fun, yeah. But at times, it was a little overwhelming. Because you would come up with certain items that would just fill the the, the niches that you need, like black holes. That's my guess is you would get stuck. You would start to think like wire or cutting. Or, you know, I don't know. You just get stuck on those ideas, and you're solving half the puzzles with just you know ten items. Yeah, yeah. It's like black hole. That's what would happen if you had one. three thousand special moves. You'd learn. You yeah, know, you'd your learn your favorite or something, right? And then or five even. And so, I don't know. Yeah, and it wouldn't maybe make the game that, bad. It would just feel like you, you, the completionist in people, which you have to a, to a strong degree, would just be like, ah, I'm missing out, <laughs> and that would be well a, part like of yeah part experience. Part of the joy of a video game is learning all everything that it presents to you, and so yeah, say you're you're Super Mario sixty four and you have seven different jump types, then you want to master all seven of those jump types and use them you know as appropriate to accomplish the challenges. But say you're playing Super Mario 2064, and <laughs> you uh, you know you have 3,000 jump moves. Well, now part of the joy of the game isn't learning how to master all of Mario's moves. Now you better make the challenges really fulfilling to accomplish, right? So that no matter what moves you pick, you're still satisfied when you get to the end. So it puts a heavier a heavier burden on the the world design when you have those infinite amount of moves, near infinite amount of moves. Yes. So, yeah. Wow, well, we talked a lot. We talked a lot about video games and <laughs> life life and stuff. Yeah. So uh, let's stop. Let's stop doing that now. Okay. At this okay. point. Goodbye. Dun, 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 dun. Woohoo! Doo-doo.